Hey girlies, welcome to Crisis Twink, the podcast where we ring the alarm about cultural emergencies. Whether it's a flop album, an insane headline, a forgotten classic, or even a problematic fave, we're going to revive it and make sure it gets the medical assistance it so desperately needs. My name is Drew Haskins, and I'm the only twink who can save a culture in crisis. Joining me today is dear friend and regular person, Sarah Cartwright. Hi, Sarah. Hi, Drew. Thanks for having me. Truly such a gift to have you on. We have a doozy of an episode prepped for today. I love to hear a doozy of an episode. <laughs> I, I know. I like, I always wonder about that word because it is so, um, just like in a vacuum, it is so nebulous. And I always wonder like who said it first, like who, what the etymology is. Like Everything is Shakespeare. <laughs> do you think, I mean, it just, I don't know. It never really, it's one of those words that like doesn't mean anything, but sounds like exactly what you think it means, I guess. But we do, it is a true doozy in every sense of the word. Like, like wouldn't it be hilarious if in Hamlet, they just like randomly pop doozy? <laughs> I believe that. I mean, like, I don't remember a single line of that play besides to be or not to be. That is the question. And honestly, if there was a, like Ophelia said doozy as she was drowning or whatever, like, sure. Like you could tell me that and I believe you. Um, it's just, he is like the original weirdo in some ways, like literary weirdo. Yeah, the original putting sounds together and (laughs) seeing what happens. Someone, I saw on Twitter the other day that said that literature didn't really get good until Shakespeare. Do you have an opinion on that? I don't because I cannot say that I have experimented with much literature pre-Shakespeare. Um, (laughs) I think I'm in the same boat too like I mean I think we had to read like Greek tragedy and stuff in high school but like I mean yeah like Aesop I don't think he was like spitting fire like Aesop would not win a Pulitzer today no he didn't he didn't do it for me you know like the fable girls are just not (laughs) they're not they're not hitting the same as uh as everyone else is, but Greek mythology, everyone spark noted anyway. <laughs> well, I had much like many other little gay boys. I had that book, um, Dallaire's Greek mythology, the big yellow one with the like hand drawn illustrations. Was this part of your culture? This was not part of my culture. Please. Keep okay. Going. It's, I mean, I think it was written like within the past 50 years, but like I was weirdly very into Greek mythology as a kid because of that book, because the stories were all so crazy and mythic. And honestly, at a certain point, I thought when I was like five or six, I was like, oh, high school is going to be like Greek mythology because (laughs) they all seem so mature. And obviously that's not 100% the case. Well, but, I actually get that though because I feel like that was also the era of like the modern takes on Greek mythology and like Shakespeare. oh yeah like that was really that was like ripe in like the she's the man era of, oh like, yeah of, like, <laughs> taking something to like a regular high school no and there were so many like reinterpretations of stories like that like I mean Carmen a hip opera is not necessarily <laughs> Greek mythology but like it's definitely adjacent like I don't know. They should bring it back culture like that because I feel I'd rather take like another like Romeo plus Juliet over um, 
whatever like jungle cruise like whatever we're getting these days but you don't like the addison ray he's all that gender flipped reboot that's crazy um so mixed feelings i don't have like a, a tense fondness from the original movie i don't like addison ray and i thought the guy in the reboot that they showed looked odd to me I'm trying not to like disparage his looks, but he looked like really like smooth and shiny in a way that I was like, oh, it's weird that that's made it out of post-production. <laughs> and I say that with all the love in the world. <laughs> I just, um, I, I feel like that was like one of the famous COVID outbreak sets. So it oh, was yeah. <laughs> No, it's like, I mean, they filmed that during COVID and Garcetti shut down like entire neighborhoods basically like all of k-town along wilshire was like shut down for three days basically to film he's all that which I'll, i'm gonna watch just to find out what could have possibly been shot that would have necessitated that but it's like i also shut down all the freeways for um the la la land thing the, oh the only, yeah the only things they've shut la down for is all that and la la well, land at the very least like you can like Damien Chazelle like showed his work in the movie with that like it is genuinely impressive what they were able to manage with that I cannot imagine that Addison Rae is gonna I mean she didn't direct the movie but I feel like she's like sort of did like she's not gonna Damien Chazelle K-Town and he's all that I cannot imagine would you die if it was just like a cinematic masterpiece and like (laughs) like I'd love to think that it's better than it's going to be just because I like it. I like it when things exceed expectations. I think that like begets a positive attitude in our culture, which is so desperately needed in these trying times. But I also don't think that Trump supporter Addison Rae is going to be, you know, the, the light in our clouds. Yeah, she, she's, she's not much of a beacon. <laughs> she's not. But speaking of beacons, I think it is time for our first segment so we're gonna play go call the governor i am going to present you with three cultural scenarios from recent and ancient history and by ancient history i mean like two weeks ago and you're going to decide whether or not the governor needs to be called there are no wrong answers here but your choice is binary does the governor need to be called or not so are you ready to play i'm ready all right so first topic where is donda does the governor need to be called or not (laughs) no no i think i think we as a culture need to accept that when connie drops an album there's probably like a six month or so uncertainty period yeah i I, so i guess for people who do not know he just had a listening party for it at the Atlanta Hawks basketball arena. And a lot of people like Jay-Z, like Travis Scott, all these people were in attendance. And I, for he said it was gonna come out this past Friday, July 23rd. It is not out. Allegedly it's releasing on August 6th. When do you think it's actually gonna come out if you had to guess? Mid-September. Okay. And, and that that seems reasonable i like i feel like that's like a reasonable production timeline he was like playing kind of half finished music also like i think the worst part of any kanye album cycle is the day that it's supposed to have come out when you wake up and it's like every single person you went to college with instagramming where's the kanye album yeah like it's such a predictable cycle people get so mad about it 
even in 2021 too, like after, I mean, it's been a very trying five years to be a Kanye fan or a Kanye apologist even. And we've, I mean, he's, I can't even name the last Kanye album. Like there was yay. And then I don't, I genuinely do not remember what the one that dropped like two or three years ago was called. And now this, I'm still weirdly excited for it in the way that I'm always excited for a Kanye album, but like we've been burnt so many times. Like I cannot imagine. Did you watch the live stream? No, because that's like one of those things. Like I'm going to let some like fader intern do that for me. And I'll just read the clip notes. Like I don't. I'm fine just like tapping out on like the the pomp and circumstance with him at this point. But I do love Kanye's music. I I would agree with that, but I will say that with the whole culture surrounding him, the bar is on the floor. Yeah. Where like I watched 10 minutes of it and it was him kind of just walking around with like like a weird kind of flat sand desert looking area and kind of just like scrolling is he talking or is no oh weird people are just like genius genius well like I think it's good that we do have an artist who is making music who is genuinely like out of his mind basically like I I think every generation needs that and I he is like basically the phantom of the opera-ing himself right now like by posting up at I guess like Atlanta soccer stadium, he's finishing the album, but he's not leaving the soccer stadium, which is like, and he's wearing that, he's wearing like, um, like pantyhose basically. Yeah, it's like nylon. It's crazy. He looks insane. Red puffer coat and like late July in Atlanta. I cannot, he must like the heat rash of it all. I cannot imagine, but, um, what is your favorite Kanye album? Oh, I feel like I'm like a late registration girl. Okay, that's a good answer. Like, I'm a Yeezus girl myself, but I think you can't really miss with anything up until Life of Pablo, which I I like too. I liked Life of Pablo. I have weird memories about it because it dropped right before my spring break of senior year. Mm -hmm. So it was one of those things that no one could talk about anything but that. So I listened to it on repeat for an entire week and then could never listen to it for two years. So it's recently come back into my life. It's very much like that and um, Coloring Book by Chance the Rapper are the most 2016 albums I can think of. Like weird late Obama era optimism in like gospel revivalism that like immediately got completely nullified by what I will call the bad vibes of the Trump presidency. (laughs) If you go back and look and listen to like ultralight beam in 2021, it really does not hit the same as it did. That's sad to hear. I feel like most, most things like pre 2016 didn't hit the same. Sure. Sure. I, I mean, it was kind of like the beginning of the end for Kanye though. Cause like he tinkered with that album for what, like two months after the fact, I don't, I feel like it like wasn't done until that summer basically late we should we should look at the we can look at the graph of how long it took for that and kind of use that to predict well if it I'm sure like Donda is going to be on the same timeline like we're going to get like like minute five second sketches of like 16 different songs and we're not going to have a full album until 
maybe Christmas, hopefully Christmas, but maybe Christmas, maybe, maybe another administration. Can I tell you my least or my most unpopular chancellor rapper opinion? Yes, absolutely. I think that he needs to pivot his career and be a children's rapper. I think that he should do didactic songs like the Wiggles. Mm -hmm. And I think that it should all be about growing up as a kid. Say that, say that. Like this is, this podcast is a, um, the official stance of this podcast is that Chance the Rapper is corny and always has been corny. Though at least like acid rap is, well, acid rap is a very like freshman, sophomore year of college kind of album. Like it hits when you're 18 and you're like away from home for the first time. But like, it's, yeah, it's just too, it's too silly for me. I don't know. And the wife guy of it all is not my, my experience personally. So he did make me pray at his concert, which made me uncomfortable. (laughs) (laughs) That's, but like, it's corny behavior. Like, I get that it's rooted in, like, a gospel tradition of sorts, but, like, I just, but then, like, it's, like, the gospel tradition contraposed with a five million dollar a year Apple Music sponsorship. Like, it's not coming from a, a genuine place of, like, like praise be you know that was my issue with it like it it just kind of and it also felt like it was like all in it was so much about like the album it was so much like almost like reveling him as a god and I was like I don't know if I'm really comfortable with this of like Chancellor after being being like the holy spirit in this situation I don't think I could ever pray to a man that wears overalls as much as he does so I think (laughs) I need to you know, stick to stick to my personal Lord and Savior, Azalea Banks, who is the topic <laughs> of the next cultural emergency. Oh. So Grimes says her upcoming single is inspired by when, and I quote, Azalea Banks tried to destroy my life. Does the governor need to be called? <laughs> is the governor being called on Grimes or Azalea Banks in this situation? That's up to you. That's up to you. I think it's, I don't, I don't know if the governor is the, the best one for the role, but I think that they need to sit down for a mediation and we need to find out what the fuck is going on with both of them. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I feel like in the past few months, like Grimes' star has fallen while Azalea's has risen again. I like the new Azalea single is so, so good. And Grimes is like now a literal reality TV show judge. It's well, did you see that? Um, Olivia Rodrigo said that she was heavily influenced by Azalea. I did. Unfortunately, that was debunked as fake, but like was so it? yeah, it was unfortunately, but like for um for those who did not see, Interview Magazine published a quote that said that Olivia Rodrigo said that she was, um, or that Broke with Expensive Taste was her favorite rap album of all time, which big if true, but unfortunately, um, Olivia's rep issued a statement that that was a false quote and that Interview Magazine had accidentally sourced it from a Bjork stan account, um, <laughs> which, you know what, who among us it's <laughs> stan accounts really will like change the media narrative like we're gonna have like a stan news cable channel before that will go up against fox news and hopefully defeat it but fully 
yeah, like in, rather than the governor mediating the situation, I kind of think that Anna Adonis updates needs to mediate the situation <laughs> and understand <laughs> what's going on. The guidance counselor of the internet on the day Armas updates. Yeah, I I definitely think that like they need to like sit down and be in the same room, if only because that does seem like splitting an atom in a way. But I I mean I'm definitely team Azalea here. I think it's like really weird that Grimes is still fixating on this situation. And like how is Azalea Banks destroying your life when you're literally married to a billionaire? I also like, I think Grimes kind of just lost me in general when she got married to a billionaire. Yeah. I don't know. Have you seen, <laughs> there was that big billboard outside of Salazar for a while that was like a Grimes ad, but all it said was global warming isn't real. <laughs> I'm just no. like, wait, I didn't know. When was really that? Disturbing. That is disturbing. It was very disturbing. And it was one of those things where it's like she and Elon both just say shit just to get like shock value but it's actually problematic because people listen to it right so it's like well because they don't, don't do it i mean to be fair azalea does the same thing but she's i'm oh, sorry she's funny at least when she does it like grimes has never said one funny thing yeah grimes can, her... grimes can talk again once she makes a list of all of the people that she likes yeah <laughs> one of the we've talked about this list on this podcast before but that truly is like the Ten Commandments of our time, like I, I mean, as I do, Azalea Banks is like the poet laureate that we need. And honestly, if I were Grimes, and if Azalea Banks called me, and I quote, a brittle boned meth head that smelled like pennies, I'd be sick too. I'd be shaking, crying, like yeah, I wouldn't show my I, face I in this too. town. Well, but also I would maybe get that like on my headstone when I died. Like, I feel like that's also a beautiful thing. <laughs> I, I mean, yeah, if Azalea Banks deigns to insult you, like, you, it, it is a badge of honor in a way, but it's also very, I mean, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's not good either. I don't condone what she says necessarily, but, like, she is a bright, a bright mind. And, I mean, you can't make the hits not hit. Very true. Very true. And she is, you're right, she is on the upswing. She is. Fuck them all night. Official crisis twink anthem here. Okay, last cultural scenario. That horse who lives at the hospital and knocks on terminally ill patients' doors to visit them before they pass on to the next life. Does the governor need to be called? Yeah. Because, like, as soon as when I saw that, I thought, like, if I was terminally ill, the last thing that I would want is a horse coming into my room and saying hello to me. Like, that, that's scary to me as a healthy 26-year-old. It is so scary. Like, the, uh, the thought of being on my back in a hospital bed near, near death and a horse is, like, breathing on me, I'd is so antithetical to anything I'd want in that situation. It sounds like fucking terrible. Like you're partially lucid saying goodbye to your family and this animal kind of plops in, smells a little bit like grass and shit. And there's (laughs) maybe some flies circling its eyes as Uh there always are with horses. (laughs) It's just like, I saw that and I was like, do these people consent to this? It can't be sanitary. It really can't be sanitary. 
And the thing that really got me was the horse apparently chooses which patients he wants to visit. <laughs> like they don't just bring him in. He knocks on the door of the patient's he thinks need to be visited which is like does he know when they're about to die like what is wrong with this horse it's so that part of it is so dark to me because it's also like they say that he knocks on like the people that he wants to visit like no, no one's spoken to this horse they don't know what's happening with it like there like there could be many other reasons like yeah it could be like some like pheromones that someone's about to die or something <laughs> towards the end like like I there could be something mystical afoot too like the horse could be like an agent of satan in some way (laughs) like shepherding people to the next lives like to hell how low-key would that be if the horse was like some sort of like dark devil merchant who like was like knocking on the doors of the people who had the the shadiest pasts i i believe it like satan's agents are often they are all like goats and like cloven hooved weirdos like this horse is just like it's like a trojan horse for (laughs) insidious forces of hell it's also like i'm sorry what's the problem with like a puppy exactly like why does that have to be this weird horse and like i was not able to find out whether the horse lives inside the hospital like whether like i i'd assume the hospital has many levels so does he just how does he get in the elevator like it's this people were like oh this is so sweet on the timeline and I was like are you out of your fucking mind this is a damn horse so I and I don't, I don't know if it's just because like I'm not necessarily I don't love horses at all but Mm-mm. like that doesn't sound like something that I would want thrust upon my loved one either no like I mean I'm definitely not a horse girl definitely not a hospital horse girl like no. It's yeah, just like get a regular dog or get like a like a death doula or something. I saw Riley Kehoe just trained to be a death doula. Like get Riley Kehoe in there instead of that that horse. Instead of that a, awful a, horse. A human death doula instead of a equine. <laughs> equine. I, e, equine. 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 I think. Equine. Oh my god. What? Equine. I hate that. Okay. Well, I'm well, good. The governor needs to be called on that horse. I'm assuming in, we're in other horse news. Did you see the gigantic one this week? Phantom. Is that the one who's married to the lady? I hope oh, not. Okay. We might be talking <laughs> about two separate horses again. Wait, who are you talking about? There was this gigantic, I think it's like an eight or nine foot tall horse named Phantom who was just unveiled to the internet and he is fucking terrifying I think I I think we are talking about the same horse because I saw a story that was like woman marries eight foot tall horse I didn't know that he found a found a lady (laughs) or she found him I don't know there's like that's that's a part of the internet that gets dark this is we have two very different (laughs) timelines I guess like I'm like tapped into like whatever freak sector the internet is like yes marry this horse girl boss this horse and then you just you have like just the beautiful horse content and I would like to live on your timeline to be clear like (laughs) just beautiful it's like beautiful to large animal content like I feel like that's something that shows up a lot like large rabbits and large horses no I, I I think that's like 
like at the end of the day the internet is such a toxic space except for like big animal or very small animal content like you just can't you can't let it go outside of those bubbles because then you're gonna end up with like woman marries horse content like that's the next level it's not even like three degrees away it's one degree it's very close well and then you also have the things that look really sweet and it's like oh it's like a mouse showering and then 48 hours later you're like no the mouse isn't showering this is a wildlife expert here the mouse is covered with toxic goop because you guys won't throw your shit away in the right recycling bins oh. and like this animal suffering and like it turns into the darkest thing ever so like every you have to question everything on the internet no yeah if you like zoom out just a little bit it's it's never good it's yeah. never ever good and i think this is a good segue into our cultural emergency, which we will get to right after this break. And we are back. Let's move on to this episode's cultural emergency. Sarah, what are you rushing to the ER today? Hopefully not a horse. <laughs> Let's hope not. The, the horse is visiting me in the ER. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Drew, I want to talk about a very pressing issue for anyone who is alive in the past three decades, which is the red pilling of the once iconic Gwen Stefani. Okay, I've been dreading this day since this podcast, I conceived of this podcast in my brain because this is one of the press and cultural emergencies of our time. And I can think of no better person to talk about this than you. That means so much to me. And interestingly enough, like when we were planning this up over the weekend, we basically both hit on the idea at more or less the same time from separate coasts. Like I was, um, I was watching the luxurious music video with friend of the pod, Arthur Shot Lopez, and he had never seen it. And it is, I mean, Gwen, I mean, Gwen used to be a, for lack of a better word, transracial icon in a lot of ways, like. The, her, her cosplaying like Latinidad in that video is one of the most insane things I've ever seen. And I cannot believe she got away with it. Fully, and, fully. And then you were listening to it some, in your car, I guess. I was listening to, um, well, first I put on Spotify's best of Gwen Stefani playlist in the mm-hmm. car and see what they picked. And there was so much from flop era Gwen Stefani that I had to actually change it back. But you're right. She's had like three distinct lives. She started as the coolest punk ever and no doubt, like no one yeah. else can sing the ABCs and make it sound like actually tight out of college. And now she's like, she's, she's kind of like, like an embarrassing mom trying to do things. And then like, you know, that she has really questionable beliefs that she keeps not speaking about, but saying, you know, which yeah. is so dark and menacing. It's so I don't know. like, she, I mean, she is from Orange County, so, like, we should have seen her, like, weird, apolitical, possibly libertarian, possibly full Republican face coming, but, like, it really took Blake Shelton's introduction into her life to bring this out of her in a way that no one, I don't think any of us could have seen coming. No, and, like, we, we all agree that Blake Shelton's a CIA operative, right? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Great, great. Yeah, like, I don't, there's there's something fucked up happening with that man. But, um, no, it was, like, it was really sad, honestly, because, like, you see her, like, she, like, she was just, 
she was so cool and she was actually like interesting and like even despite having a possible path of going kind of Orange County to to rich pop star to Republican there was there were other paths available to her and she didn't take them no so how did you begin your Gwen Stefani journey like walk me through that because you are a historian I'm a historian (laughs) I feel like Gwen has kind of followed me during different phases of my life. Like I remember getting rock steady at the now shuttered tower records. Mm -hmm. Um, I did a very slutty dance in my fifth grade talent show to hella good, which was troubling to everyone in my life. Yeah. There's something about Gwen's music that um, really lends itself well to inappropriate children dancing, basically. Like I sent you, um, this that horrific video of those little girls dancing to wind wind it up up. yeah that is one of the five most bizarre things I've ever seen on the internet and hella good is not like necessarily for kids either no (laughs) no it's it's that's like a a light a soft swear word if you're in fifth grade right and it sounds so sinister too like the key it's in is like (laughs) PG-13. <laughs> totally. But I will. So I, as I was kind of going through her discography on the way back, I was thinking about it and like, she's kind of trying to bring back this ska sound. Like, have you listened to her new stuff at all? Yeah. Which has been rightfully derided on Twitter as old Navy music. That's, I haven't seen that take before, but that is spot on. Someone made a, a mashup of the music video for the Sweetie collaboration, whose name I cannot remember, with a literal Old Navy ad. And it was, it's one of the funniest videos I've seen this year. I can probably, when I share the app, I'll link it for people. But please it's, do. Yeah, it's, it's wild. I don't think the Ska revival needs to come back, though, necessarily. Do you? No, I don't think so. I think that that's something that we can kind of, um, as we quickly cycle through every single trend that's happened in the past 20 years, think that we can just hop over Ska. Yeah. Tragic Kingdom is to me the definitive work from that subgenre. And even so, it's not like the most Ska heavy yeah. album in the world. Like there's a lot of like diversity in that too. And like Rocksteady to Return of Saturn, like all that is like, it's nice and diverse. Return of Saturn's my favorite. It's so good. It's it's not my favorite of those three because Tragic Kingdom just is so like um, I mean it's just so iconic. Like all those songs, I I think I can sing that album basically back to front. Or in Return of Saturn, it, it's way better than people think it is. It's um, I was listening to her on this podcast recently, mm-hmm. and like she's kind of adopted this new southern accent it's really weird I hate hate that I didn't know that that that, like when Madonna was married to Guy Ritchie she was like British for a hot minute like yeah it's like that doesn't happen oh I hate that like well she like fully lives in Tulsa now yeah you know, like, you know, she fled California for Tulsa. That's like all, all of these kind of skirting around the questions are, that's, that tells you all you need to know. Isn't it so weird how an artist who built her career on essentially cosplaying every single race under the sun, every single one is now in her most controversial era being as white as humanly possible. I think that's so weird to me. (laughs) 
yeah that's a crazy journey and also very true and it's like even even in her like earlier apolitical in quotation marks days like she was on an anti-bush like compilation oh yeah she definitely like she spoke out at one point it's just I think that with with Blake a famed friend of Paul Ryan in (laughs) their one um in their one photo together but no it's it's scary like I mean those photos of her hunting or like at the gun range with him from a few months ago and then them like posing in camo in the woods I we I think she's fully lost like I don't know how she comes back from this fully lost we should have seen it earlier and it's such a far like I weirdly got into Gwen through the lamb era I was a little late stage and then I went back to no doubt but like the first Gwen Stefani song I ever heard was rich girl which to my to this day is my favorite Gwen solo song and if if a prowler broke into my apartment and put a gun in my head and was like perform one song to save your life as good as anyone's ever done it I would do rich girl by Gwen Stefani I would love to see that with the I will do the Eve rap too if the gun's in my head I will do the Eve rap too but like and but like we just rewatched the music video for that over the weekend and she's in full this was the of course the Harajuku girl era and she's in full gaish for lack of a better word (laughs) like it's really wild and in 2004 I guess you could do that yeah I mean I think I remember too like during there was like a slight backlash to it and then like the when fans kind of went crazy being like no this is art like this is pop culture she's creating some sort of like she's creating like a subculture in Japan it's not it's not grifting off of Japanese culture so like in whatever 2006 era of avoidant talking about cultural appropriation people had Mm -hmm. a lot of excuses and so I think like it's very interesting that she she got out of that one and now she goes around being as as white as possible in in her camo and yeah which is I'm not saying it's worse because I don't think she should have been in like braids and a do-rag or whatever in like the hall of background music video and she surely should not be wearing as much um lip liner as she's wearing in the luxurious video and having Frida Kahlo buns but like I don't know I kind of I I I don't necessarily want that back but like I feel like there's a middle ground between that and then just like the Kate Gosselin vibe that she's like fallen into right now like it's so dark and it's also like I feel like before it was like if you would separate the art from the artist at least there was like good art being created and like things that people were enjoying and I think now the thing that's a struggle is like there isn't the artist is problematic and the art itself is not good and to be fair it is hard for any artist to sustain a an artistically valid, qualitatively successful career over 30 years. And like, it's easy to forget that she has been around for literally 30 years now. Like, yeah, I just wish, I mean, I don't know. I, I didn't mind, I guess the 2016 Gwen album with like Misery and um, Make Me Like You not a great album but there were like some fun little you know bops for the summertime like that kind of stuff like the new stuff I think is unlistenable though and I don't think we're ever gonna get 
old Gwen back in that respect. I agree. And I think that like, there's, we as a society need to respect the reissue a little bit more. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I wonder like, so Lamb, Love Angel Music Baby is coming up on its 20th anniversary in a few years. And I really wonder how that album specifically is going to get like culturally reappraised. Cause I re I just re-listened to it in full yesterday. Every song on that album is like a smash. It's incredible. A smash. It's incredible. I mean, bubble pop electric is like literally what I think that, or what I hope that a hundred gex would be. Oh yeah. No, I mean, <laughs> like not- talk about the, the hyper pop movement you could trace it directly to that song. Like Charlie XCX has talked a lot about how Gwen was like an extremely informative influence on her sound and aesthetic. And you can definitely tell from just that, just that song alone. But like the, the beats on that album are so crazy though, in general, like what you waiting for is unbelievable. Well, I texted you about this. It's yeah. Like a legendary riff. What you waiting for? Take a chance, you stupid hoe. You don't do that anymore. It's you beautiful. don't do that anymore. Like, and then the bridge is, she just isn't even bothering a rhyme. Like she, she loves like shoot all these songs. The one thing that like, I'm sure people are going to be like, why did she do this on every song? She does mention the Harajuku girls every single time. And it is, odd and bad that she used four voiceless Japanese women as literal set dressing. Yeah, I think that that would be a good thing for when when we reassess um, the album next year, this year. I think that that would be something that we as a society can kind of take out but and she, not, not, or at least give, give voice to yeah. and not make like her supporting dancers like there's I don't know she was like I saw the other day that like there's like a brat stall that was kind of like made for Gwen too and so I think that like yep and but and she five years ago there was a Nickelodeon show called Cuckoo Harajuku executive produced and created by Gwen Stefani five years so she five years ago she's still dining out on it like yeah. Even in like, I mean, 2016 is like late stage cultural appropriation at that point. Like Katy Perry got canceled canceled for um being a geisha at the like Billboard Music Awards like in 2014. And like and Gwen still like cuckoo Harajuku. I can't over that, here. And I can't believe that a show is created with that name. <laughs> That's so I, problematic. I can't either. And the the theme song video went viral a few years ago. And it's her dressed up, you know, in, in Harajuku cosplay. And she's like walking around like like a cartoon five-year-old, like all like cuckoo, Harajuku. Like it's so um it's not dignified. I'll just put it that way. <laughs> Definitely not dignified. Yeah. It's like if you if you look back, if you look back at all of the landmarks, the signs were there. She was she was gonna end up here at some point. No. It, I but like I wish that she'd at least be a little bit more edgy and provocative like she gave a really good interview a few months ago with I think Stereo Gum about um kind of like the legacy of her career and like as we said she really like steered around the the politics of everything she's ever done which is strange considering how like 
counterculture a lot of that early stuff was too like I mean even Rocksteady was like pretty counterculture and it's not politics necessarily but like the, like you go back and listen to the songs from that album they don't sound like anything on the radio at that point totally totally yeah and I think that even like going solo and everything like that like that was like that like I felt like that was like a bit of a statement after like her band era kind of like doing like yeah. a pop star thing like I think that like at, at many points without being political I think that she's kind of taken a stand culturally and I think now it's I, I think it's just it's definitely it's dark I think for for people who like to believe the best yeah. of of what she was doing and being like oh like maybe like maybe in different contexts or like with different sort of like knowledge she wouldn't have she wouldn't have behaved like that but I think it's pretty clear she would have she definitely would have and she also like not to be ageist was like maybe old enough to know better like totally. her like lamb came out when she was 35 like she was pretty on the older side of things as far as like pop music careers go to start a solo career and it, it is genuinely impressive that she had such a successful like first solo era at that stage and then she was almost 40 when like sweet escape and wind it up came out both of which are hits beautiful beautiful hits what's your favorite Gwen Stefani solo song oh I've said mine already but I also I would like to shout out cool as well cool I was gonna say cool yeah I was gonna say cool cool is my favorite I think it's the best breakup song ever (laughs) (laughs) I think it's really excellent for this era of relationships where nothing is actually a relationship and um I don't know I think cool cool is I would say cool crash is something that I've kind of um, mm-hmm. come back into a new appreciation of. Yep. Um, I don't know. I mean, it's really hard because I think that the way that like, like I have different winds it up songs that I like and I have different LAMB songs that I like. And mm-hmm. I think that like, because they have such different sounds for the albums, it's hard to compare them. No, totally. I think that's one of the reasons why her solo career kind of fizzled out a little bit more quickly than... Like, I think she could have had a third album right after Wind It Up, Sweet Escape that, like, could have done pretty well. But that second one was so all over the place compared to the first one that I think it just, like... Totally. Well, it's, like, (laughs) I was listening to also um, Yummy Mm -hmm. up here. That song's fucking disgusting. (laughs) It is. Look, she had some pretty bad ideas, like some really 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 bad ideas at points um I'm glad that she tried it me too but no it's not like it's not good and then like there's a lot of stuff on that second album that really like paves the way for like how gloopy and ballady the um the like 2016 album is like four in the morning I think is like a snooze a total snooze of a song but that whole third album sounds like that which is like totally well, and it's like when you see any sort of album cover that's like a Marilyn Monroe looking, um, like, right. like fresh face, like close up, you just like, you know, it's not going to be very exciting. No. And to give her credit, she has always been this like fresh face, like not super made up blonde, except for when she's wearing bindis. <laughs> There's not like a ton of makeup yeah. and stuff on, but like, I do think, I mean, she is like, in the j-lo category of like ageless 
deities totally. for sure but i i don't know how do you think we fix this because i don't i'm not super optimistic about this i don't know if i'm so optimistic about it either i think that it might be a i think that it might be an artist that um we have to remember the good times yeah. and kind of mourn in mourn in that way i don't i don't know how you come back from um being married to Cy cia op blake shelton yeah I, yeah I mean if any sort of solution this problem starts with getting him like putting him on like the richard branson rocket to mars like and just yeah. letting letting it go like i do think that she has at least one or two more good songs in her as it stands but she needs to work with like a, like she needs to work with like pc music basically to like lean into the hyper pop of it all like she could do something very interesting totally i want her to like re i want her to redo love angel music baby with like the new artists and like a pc oh. music or something like that like i think that we need to we just need to all come around to the idea that maybe it won't be a new song but it'll be a new version no. of a great song. if they did like a well born this way reimagined fucking sucked but Terrible. like the um if like they did do like a 20-year retrospective of love angel music baby which is like like Gwen doesn't even need to be there like something that like gets people like a new crop of artists reinterpreting those songs actually could sound really cool because we were listening to the Franz Ferdinand that. cover of what you waiting for from BBC live lounge and that like is an awesome reinterpretation of that song like you could do that well, and like, I think that she's kind of coming around to reinterpreting things, but in, in what I consider the wrong way, where like, for, what was that weird song before the sweetie one? Um, Allow oh, me let me introduce myself or yeah. let me reintroduce myself. Yeah. Which like, you, when I saw that, I was like, holy shit, I don't know if I'm ready for this. No. Um, but if you watch the music video, it's like her cycling through all of her other music video looks and like kind of like different high school locker room types of things. And it's like, I think that she is like, she's clearly using her old like iconography and things yeah. like that for her new music and I think that she just needs to lean harder and kind of step away yeah because I think she definitely needs to step away with it because and I'm saying this with love the only people who have nostalgia for the Gwen the peak Gwen era are people our age through like people who are 35 maybe currently like that's not a broad sector of the music listening populace like Gen Z doesn't give a fuck about Gwen Stefani totally, totally. and I don't think she should necessarily pander to Gen Z which is definitely what the like the sweetie song was but like yeah. I don't think like in her case her cycling through like nostalgic iconography is very different than like let's say like Gaga doing it or Madonna doing it like there's just not a lot of um like Gwen is has always been a very stylish person and like you go back and watch like the rich girl music video it's like peak Y2K cool fashion that is like definitely back in style now but no one single look that really like her most iconic look is the Bindi look basically and you can't do that right now Totally. Well, and I think also it's like in, in the millennial cusp era, as we are, we live very much in a bubble where I think that like we think our culture is way bigger than it actually is. Right. We're like, I went to, I went to a Christina Aguilera show the other day. Oh, fun. Wait, was it the Philharmonic one? Yeah. Oh, um, how was it? It was fucking incredible. Something that wasn't advertised on the tickets or anywhere on the event was that the Philharmonic would actually be going through the entire score 
beginning to end of West Side Story before Christina wow. came on. Wow. Okay. So that was a that was a choice. That's a really weird double bill. <laughs> it was bizarre, and it didn't say it anywhere. No one in the crowd knew anything about that it was happening. So, like when they started playing and Christina wasn't on, there was kind of a a sense of what's going on. But like as we were walking around, we were just like, first of all, we were the youngest people there. Oh, no yeah. one was really that like reminiscent of it. And like people didn't care that much about Christina. We bought the tickets for $30. And I was like, who's not getting paid? I I was I was in multiple gay group texts, gay LA group texts of people trying to sell their tickets last minute, like for whatever reason. Like the pictures looked fun though. Was she was she in like full voice? Was she good? Like oh, she was incredible. She came out in a like black tulle gown at the mm. end. At one point, she summited an iceberg. Like it was perfect. Wow. It was really it was really really wonderful. Did but she do was, like ballads or was it like the dance hits too just with the orchestra behind her? Both. It was. Wow. Um, she did dirty. I think was probably the best. Um, Lady Marmalade yeah. was also. I'm, I bet phenomenal oh my god I'm kind of jealous I'm not even that big of a Christina fan but like to go to something like that would have been so cool like oh so it was so fun we had the best time she was incredible but I think that it also made me realize like millennials are so embarrassing like everything that we do is so embarrassing yeah it it is it's also such a like a wide sector because it's like what people 1980 born in 1980 to 1995 like that's a huge generation gap but or not even a not generation gap but like that's a huge like maturity and like cultural reference point gap compared to like boomers and gen x people oh totally like i don't I personally do not have like the nostalgic fondness for like Christina's stuff that I do for like old Britney stuff. Maybe just because I like, I was not allowed to listen like dirty and stuff like that when I was like six or whatever. Whereas Britney was like totally fine, totally innocuous back then. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, it's very, it, it, it is a, it's a wide range, especially when you get to like the like golden age of female pop stars. Oh yeah. Which I feel like that totally was right. I was like, and everyone kind of leaned harder into some, like when I get, like, when I think about like male pop stars, for example, Jesse McCartney was the one that I was super, super into. Oh like, yeah. Post NSYNC, post Backstreet Boys. Like, I think that I kind of missed that era of boy band. No, I, I definitely did too. Like I, that's, it's interesting that you bring Jesse McCartney up because I think he actually, was also the first male pop star I was like really cognizant of. Him and weirdly Ryan Cabrera and calling Ryan Cabrera a pop star is a generous, generous like UNICEF level charity work descriptor. But um, yeah, the boy, I didn't really have any like nostalgia for the boy band stuff. I didn't really get into like NSYNC or Backstreet Boys until I was like almost in high school. Yeah, like I feel like that was a later in life thing. Like I was definitely aware of it, but I could talk to you for like a few hours about Ryan Cabrera also. He, an emergency in and of itself. Like, isn't he, he's dating Audrina. No, I actually, um, so I actually still actively follow the Hills. Oh, oh my God. (laughs) Wait, so you can tell me why Misha Barton was kicked off the Hills or whatever. I don't think, was she kicked off or did she choose not to be? I think she got fired. When people are like, I'm leaving, it's usually like a network decision. I mean, 
in in all fairness to Misha, she I, I don't think was treated very well or like given the best storylines or anything like that, and then became a very boring character. So like I was like I started watching the reboot solely because Misha was on it, and right. I thought that was an exciting thing for me. And she then did nothing really. No, so that nothing. was kind of a bummer. But I think that like I also I, I feel like she's had like a rough go for like the past five or so years. Yeah, paparazzi like, types of things and stuff. So like I wouldn't be surprised if she just stepped away. I remember um, there was a profile that was published a few years ago, and I, I, I think it was The Ringer about her, and basically all she does is, like, fix up old cars these days. Like, she's mechanic Misha. <laughs> and I guess, like, Cooper. <laughs> if the hills falls through, I guess she has her cars to go back to, but, like, I don't know. It's sad to see, like, to go from Marissa Marissa Cooper to like just like puttering around in a garage all day. That's like it's a quiet life. Maybe she needs a quiet life. It's a quiet but. life. I talked to I, I knew someone who like lived in her same building. Mm-hmm. And um, apparently would like always hear her and her boyfriend fighting. And it was like to the point that it was really annoying to be their neighbors. And like the thought of being annoyed at your neighbor, Misha Barton, is just something that I would love to experience. That's so sad. Oh, I want better for her. I want better for all those like kind of like cast away um, like early mid 2000s, like teen pop stars, singers and actors. Like there is something like a little depressing about Christina Aguilera being in her like grand dame era and playing with a full orchestra at the Hollywood Bowl. But like, it's also, it's iconic, but it's also like, this is something like, Celine Dion does you know with said with all the respect in the world to Celine Dion but fully well also it would be nice to be compared to Celine Dion but no I, oh, I agree absolutely with you completely. and it's like you had like some of them who kind of went on to to like either like a, like age out I'm not going to say age out but like kind of mature out of their career like mm-hmm. too early like a Christina and then you have other people who are just like kind of abandoned or like like burn too fast like a Misha Barton who is like or like totally I, I just rewatched, and we talked about this on last week's episode, but like I just rewatched season one of Gossip Girl and I have been like banging pots and pans outside of my apartment yelling Justin for Justice for Leighton Meester. Oh yeah. For three weeks now. Like Holy. she deserves what Blake Lively has. Hundred, hundred percent. She had better headbands too. I would argue I was more of a Blair girl than a Serena girl. Absolutely. How could you not hair. be? <laughs> I don't know, but like collective you, you too, but like collective you, like I don't, a Serena girl is not to be trusted. No, Serena was like inaccessible. Inex- and inaccessible, dumb, constantly just like, like they called Audrina ceiling eyes on the hills. Like Serena <laughs> Vanderwoodson is ceiling eyes, like Holy. full ceiling eyes. Though Blake Lively is better on that show than I think reputation would have it yeah but are you watching the reboot this is I'm, so di- digressive but like, no, I'm, I need wait, to- I'm not watching the reboot I'm, I'm kind of taking I'm trying to take social research before I decide I want to dive okay. in or not it is good yeah the third episode was like I like the first two episodes a lot but the third one was like a complete step up over it I and heard to- tell you who, who Gossip Girl is in the first episode and that really lost me Yes, but I think it is, it's not a good choice, but it is better than what happened on the original Gossip Girl. 
fair i i tapped out i'm gonna say last season of regular gossip girl oh so you don't know who the actual gossip girl is i know i do because it was one of those shows that i read the wikipedia of yeah (laughs) well that you know then that that doesn't make any sense whatsoever like this at least they've like course corrected that specific issue but like it also doesn't really make that much sense but like it's better it's still not as like mean or funny as the the old one is just because I don't think you can do a lot of what they did on the old show these days but um it is worth watching I would definitely recommend it yeah I mean I want to I want to try it's like I was I feel like people are getting really like people on the internet were getting so pissed that like they rode in Ubers and stuff like that, which yeah. is just like not the thing to get mad about for no. this. And like also it can be a different show. It doesn't have to be the exact same like rich white people from New York City, like going around and fucking like which it, it, be- it and it still is that too. I mean, it's it's not just white people, but it's mostly still rich people fucking and being mean to each other, which is like what else do you want here? Like, it just, yeah. the problem is we just don't have like the fondness for these characters yet that we did for like, and no one on this show is as good as Leighton Meester is on the original. There's not like that iconic character yet, but like they're building something interesting at least. I'm in and, then. I've- and the music is really good. Well, that's, it's, HBO music is always quite solid. Yeah. Well, the original Gossip Girl reboot had such a fucking awesome soundtrack too, though. Like, Oh, the original Gossip Girl soundtrack is like a specific era of music of like, mm -hmm. remember that song Sour Cherry? Yes, yes. Like like that and like the Ting Tings and like kind of like half almost like almost trying to be Britpop of like the kooks and stuff like that too. Yeah. Full time. There's, um the first episode or second episode has the has this song by the bravery in it which is not a band i had thought about since maybe i watched the original gossip girl and since i rewatched i have not been able to stop listening to the song because i was like oh this is so awesome like when did your heart go missing by rooney a fucking iconic song for the girls like true (laughs) legendary they do not make them like that anymore behavior um Okay, we need I we need to I think move on to our final okay, segment. We got sure. really far off, but um TLDR Gwen is bad now. Please dump please what's dump. his name? The Psyop. Go back. I, I don't know. I don't know how she ended with Gavin, but Oh, maybe. well, he cheated on her with the nanny. Okay, I was which will do it. That'll do it. And she please, found out via iPad. Via iPad? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's such a meaningless statement in a vacuum, but like, just know that like the, I could, I cannot explain it any better than just like, she found out via iPad. That's terrible. Gwen, if you're listening, I'm so sorry that that happened to you. <laughs> so <laughs> if that, if that's the event that like broke her irreparably, like I don't blame her, I guess, because if someone as hot as Gavin Rossdale inadvertently ended my marriage via iPad, I would joker fire myself i think yeah that's very true maybe it's all maybe we can blame it on him all right blame gavin tldr there we go all right let's move on to our final segment tear the community apart the rules are very simple i have picked two songs and you're going to tell me which one is better okay easy it's not so easy so the two i selected today are both 2017 singles by 
alt pop icons for the girls and the gays that were sort of commercially appreciated, but have like a level of cult fame now that has like basically cemented them as like party playlist staples for the rest of time among people 23 to 28. I'm like trying to guess in my head. (laughs) Which song is better? Boys by Charlie XCX or Cut to the Feeling by Carly Rae Jepsen? All right. I'm a Carly girl. (laughs) Oh, wow. I'm going to say, actually, so. Sorry, long pause. No, it's okay. It's, this is, there's always a long pause in this segment because people, I, I do try to stump people and I think this is a pretty hard one. I mean, it is a really hard one because I would say that like head to head, I go Carly over Charlie. Like I, mm-hmm. even though she's kind of has like a little bit of that like weird, I want to be 13 type of thing when you're like a 30 year old woman, I think right. that she rocks it. I think that she's amazing. I think that she's a treasure. I like everything that she touches. And I watch her videos with um, the Vancouver Symphony often and they're gorgeous. Oh, yep. Mm-hmm. Love, love those videos. Underrated. People should go watch those. Underrated. I also think that like maybe Cut to the Feeling, Cut to the Feeling is not her best song. And I would never say that it's her best song. Mm-hmm. What is her best song to you? Oh, I think maybe run away with me. I think that's the, I think that is the correct answer. Yeah. It's timeless. Yeah. It really it kind of reintroduced the air horn into music. Yeah. It's really nice. <laughs> but like, I don't know. Like, I think that, yeah, I'm, I'm going to go with my answer. Cut to the feeling. I don't think it's necessarily her best. I love boys. Music video, also iconic. Iconic. Great, yep. great piece of art. But I will say that Cut to the Feeling has sucked me into other pieces of art where like other amazing MTV show, Other Than the Hills that I watch is Siesta Key, mm-hmm. which um, makes excellent use of Cut to the Feeling in the theme song. I think it's a feel-good track. I think that it gets the dance floor going. I think that it might not be on her greatest hits list, but I think that it possibly propelled her into more mainstream fame. I, I think I think this is the correct choice. This Thank is you. a hard, like, and I think if I were in your shoes, like, I think Cut to the Feeling is very close to Carly Rae's best song, whereas Boys is nowhere near Charlie's no. best song. No, that was just the most commercially, I feel like, or not even the most commercially, like, Charlie song. But I feel like that, like, that song, I think because of the music video and because, like, Dylan Francis was having a moment during that time and, like, all yeah. like, these other things got, like, so much attention. And, like, it is a fucking phenomenal song. But, it, like, I don't know, like, I don't know if I put it on today. It's, yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to listen to that song outside of the context of the music video. Like it, it works well as a song, but it works so much better when you're like playing like who's who with the video. Yeah. Whereas cut it's- to the feeling you don't want to watch the video because it's literally just the footage of like the, whatever ballet kids movie that that music, that song is part of the soundtrack to <laughs> like, you don't want to see that. Um, my, yeah, I, I don't know. Charlie had a weird 2017 too, because that song was sandwiched in between number one angel, iconic mixtape and pop two iconic mixtape. And then boys is right in the middle of that, which is so odd. It was, we went to a Charlie show together, didn't we? We did go to a Charlie show together and Charlie, I think Carly Rae also came out on stage 
at that Charlie show to do her song with Danielle Harley. You're so right. And weirdly, that is the second, that was the first of two times that I have actually seen Carly and Charlie on stage together. Cause I went to the pop two show in March, 2018 and Carly was brought out on stage and promptly cast aside again until they did girls night out at the finale with like Tove Lowe and a bunch of other people, which was very fun. That was a fun, that was a fun show though. That was for like Red Bull. I think we, yeah. Who that, else that was, was there? Was I think Sophie was at that show too. I think right? I think PC Music was there too. Yeah, Cra- that was, was yeah. Sophie, so I think it was Sophie, Danielle, Harley, AG Cook. Yeah, I, I like literally just like the PC Music crew. Yeah, because that was the post Vroom Vroom Charlie era pre Number One Angel. Was that post Vroom Vroom? I think so. Yeah. Right, because Vroom yeah. Vroom was my junior year of college. And that summer we were in LA. Yeah. Oh my God. What a, what a, what a history. <laughs> what a history. I, I would love, fucking love to see those ladies together in a post pandemic world. Uh, they definitely should collab again because backseat from pop two is such a good song. And I feel like they have more, well, I mean, pop two in general is just like so good, but I feel like they have more to show together and especially now that Charlie's new album is reportedly a return to like the true romance era, like the 80s synth pop stuff. Like I think Carly is like a perfect, perfect fit. She is perfect for that. She's perfect for it. And she like, I think Carly just like writes the best love song. No, she she's really good at um like teen pop, basically, like really like yeah. universally romantic teen pop coming from a, like a 33 year old woman. But like, that doesn't, I don't mind that as much. Like, as we've said, Gwen Stefani, the Hallback music video, play, like no principals, no student teachers was literally like 36 years old. So. Yeah. Well, and I think also like, as long as you're not like infantilizing yourself too much, it gets like a little bit less creepy. Like, I think that when you were getting uh, like, call me maybe era, like, yeah and the, the, like, like the pigtails and stuff like yeah exactly but she's singing she's singing mature themes I also think that like automatically in love which was a very mm-hmm. slept on song I think that's an incredible song I I think that dedicated in general is not as goes emotion because what could be emotion is like one of the best pop albums of our lifetime oh, yeah. like bar none but dedicated has so many really good songs on it like everything he needs is really good what's that song um I want you in my I want you in my room I love that song great song I mean you can't compare anything to emotion just because like that was like that I feel like was just like the pinnacle and then like yeah. B-Sides came out too and you're just like let's just keep iterating on this exact same collection of work and yes. not do anything else when she did dedicated side B I was like okay like let's you have like a disco album that you scrapped like let's hear that like I don't need to hear like fully well I think your type is your type is the a slept on song from emotion so good the my favorite slept on song from emotion is LA hallucinations which is I think phenomenal I think that's a Jack Antonoff joint too actually don't don't quote me on that but I think actually let me pull this up really quickly because I don't want to get sued um by the litigious folks over at Antonoff Corp um I am going through this track listing right now it's uh, every single song on this is a smash hit. What else? Give me love. Oh yeah, unbelievable. 
warm blood unbelievable no it is not it is not a um it is not jack antonoff joint um boy problems so good i mean it's all it's all good i mean i i am definitely a charlie girl over a carly girl i think but like carly is weirdly almost underrated consider what considering emotion is like smash 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 well, I feel like people still pin her with Call Me Maybe. And it's like, she's done, she has yeah. released bodies of work since then. So, I mean, it's been, it will have been, I believe, 10 years in January since Call Me Maybe. It's funny that, I would have said more. Let me, if, I think maybe it was like, I, I'm looking things up today. We're actually doing our research. Um, no, Call Me Maybe like came it. out on September 20th, 2011. 2011 yeah so it's it's 10 years old and I feel like that's going to inspire a lot of retrospective pieces I hope so I hope um pop goes punk comes back oh yeah no I would I would I would love that like I I hope Charlie Bliss like drops a call me maybe cover could you imagine that would be beautiful they do it I bet if we I bet if we dm them they do it They do like all of Josie and the Pussycats and then. Um... Oh yeah. Well, the, let's talk about um, Gwen. They did that really good Hollaback Girl cover too for the Safe Stereo Gum compilation. That was like awesome. That was, I think, one of my best albums of last year. I loved it. Top to bottom, so great. I don't know how the general listener gets that album unless you bought it at the time, but um, you know, sorry <laughs> there might be a youtube rip out there somewhere of it because it's genuinely worth seeking out um and charlie bliss please come on crisis 20 you have an open invitation because y'all rock but i come back if charlie bliss comes on yeah absolutely <laughs> absolutely we have like inside the pop punk studio um a round table yeah we'll, we'll, a twink we'll table talk beautiful i love that <laughs> all right well thank you so much for being here today this was so fun truly so much fun I think this discussion was like every everything and more every everything everything we needs as Carly would say that was beautiful thank you for having me this was a lot of fun where can people find you on social media if you would like to be found you can find me you can find me on twitter at scart s-c-a-r-t 1010 um I have 15 loyal followers I do it all for them (laughs) Um, and then that's pretty much, that's pretty much it. Nothing to plug here. Incredible. Um, you can find me on Twitter at FKA pigs with a Z, at, on Instagram at Drew Haskins with Z's and subscribe to culturepig.substack.com for free weekly cultural musings, um, straight to your inbox. We actually just celebrated our two-year anniversary of Culture Pig yesterday, if you're listening to this, and I introduced a fun new segment, um, Cake Charts, in which I run down the um, top 10 of Billboard Hot 100 every month. Um, So yeah, if you are interested in that, definitely give it a a look. Um, And that's all for me. Thank you so much for being here. This is so much fun. Had a great time. Thanks, Joe. <laughs> All right. Bye, everyone. Bye.